You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Today in Galatians, and if you don't have a Bible, you can take the Pew Bible there on the ground next to you and turn to page 1032 and you'll find it. And today in our, our journey through the book of Galatians, our brother, the Apostle Paul, he gets what theologians can only call feisty. He is erupting now in Galatians chapter three. He's been simmering. He's been coming to a boil in chapters one and two, reminding the Galatians that he really is an apostle and that Paul, that he, and not the false teachers, he has the real gospel and that these other teachers that are deceiving them, that they're charlatans, they're, they're hustlers of the holy gospel. And now in chapter three, Paul finally bubbles over. And he can't believe that the Galatians are turning to another gospel, and not that there really is another gospel at all. He can't believe that they want Jesus and circumcision to make them righteous. They want Jesus and the law or Jesus in their own doing to get them accepted by God. And as we read this, you can imagine Paul walking around and huffing and pulling out whatever scraps of hair he has. And some people think that parts of the letter were dictated and parts, because he says at the end of the book, you see what I'm writing in my own writing, that maybe he wrote the end in his own because he had really bad eyesight. So some people think you could hear him dictating and the guy who's writing it going, are you sure? Him going, write it down. I said it, write it. Yes, put that down. Our Paul, his handwriting getting messier as he's getting angrier and then him throwing his pen because grace matters. The gospel of radical grace is so important. And in our community, if we are going to make the real gospel recognizable and tomball and beyond, we must hold to the ancient gospel of grace. And so as we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. And let's hear from our brother Paul by the Holy Spirit when he says in Galatians 3.1, you foolish Galatians, Who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing if in fact it was for nothing? So then, does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard? Just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us now as we look at your word, help us to see what it means to live by faith and to not be led astray from the gospel to discover and to enjoy, as we sang, what it means to be dressed in his righteousness alone, to have a Lord, 
over our ruined lives, put back together by him. Help us now, King Jesus. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, it's been, it's been a while since I've received an encouraging email, like an email from a Nigerian prince. Why wouldn't you want to be told that you could receive a massive inheritance if you just helped pay the wiring fee of $1,000? Apparently, a lot of people do it. Apparently, a ton of people think that a Nigerian prince's half-brother who is an astronaut needs help moving his $15 million salary that he's accrued while being in space. People actually fall into these. And the most recent Nigerian prince was arrested in Louisiana, a 60-something-year-old white guy. The FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center that they launched back in the year 2000 has received over 3.7 million complaints. Losses to victims since 2012 have reached $4.6 billion. We are all in the wrong line of work. <laughs> now, your response when you hear all this, four, how, how do people give up $4.6 billion to these scams? You, your response is probably the same as mine. How could you be so foolish? And today in Galatians, you heard the Apostle Paul. He is freaked out. He is in shock over hearing and just thinking about why he has to write this letter. That why these Galatians would turn from the gospel and go to something else. That's why he calls them names in verse one. You foolish Galatians. There's no way to soft pitch what Paul is saying here. You can't go, oh, the word really, no. The words in a Greek dictionary, you look it up, it means fools, idiots, unintelligent. I'm just, I'm just quoting Greek dictionaries. Stupid, dull-witted. J.B. Phillips is a great Greek scholar, translates the New Testament, and he has a, kind of a modern paraphrase of it. He says, basically, he translates Galatians 3.1 as, oh, you dear idiots of Galatia. Paul is getting their attention. He has mine when I read this. Does he have yours? Paul is fired up because of what he says next in verse one. Look at verse one. So you foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? Who has bewitched you? How could you turn from the gospel? The fact that you would want to turn to circumcision must mean that Ursula has you. That the wicked witch or Jafar or some villain has put a spell on you. And listen, beloved, this is what verse one is really teaching us that we don't often think about legalism is that legalism is deadly. Thinking Jesus and our works or Jesus and our opinions and our ideas of what makes us righteous is dangerous. This section now in Galatians, Paul's attacking two ideas where legalism attacks. Legalism attacks how you get justified, how you get declared righteous, not guilty before God. And then legalism also attacks sanctification, how you grow in Christ. Those two shades of legalism, becoming a Christian, and then how you finish as a Christian, how you grow as a Christian, how you continue in a Christian, that second legalism is one of the most dangerous ones in our area how we really grow, how we really walk in righteousness. It's so bad, so awful, Paul uses terms of witchcraft. Because, friends, legalism is voodoo. And we have to fight the voodoo of legalism in the Bible Belt. To think that Jesus plus circumcision, which is what their battle is, 
That's how you'll make it to eternity. That's how you'll run the race of the Christian life. Once you do that, you can put your confidence in that. You'll make it, Paul says, you must have a spell on you to think that. Because when you've tasted the living water of Christ alone, and then you think the expired Gatorade of self-effort will finish the job, something sinister must be influencing you. And in our day, to think that Jesus plus homeschooling or Jesus plus our spiritual disciplines or Jesus plus praying to Mary, speaking in tongues, being reformed, that's why you will stay righteous and really be accepted by God is voodoo. And here's what we really have to hear. Because sometimes we, we give legalism a pass a lot of times. We have dear Christian friends and family that are still in bondage to legalism. And we just think, listen, we often think that legalism is just the belief of uptight Christians. It is not that, according to the Bible. Legalism isn't just the ideas of uptight Christians. It's dark magic, sorcery, not just a difference of opinion, but a cauldron and a witch's brew of evil, and we have to fight it together. Would you tolerate people in your small group studying their Bible via tarot cards? What do you think about the passage, Johnny? Well, let me show you real quick. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I think. Be like, whoa, what's going on? Would you encourage people to discover God's will for their life through amulets, potions, and Ouija boards? No. And neither can we tolerate a gospel weighed down by our effort, our attempts at righteousness, even if it's promised by nice people. Let's say you gotta have Jesus and then, then you gotta do this too. That's how you really get righteous. How do we fight it? Paul shows us. It begins with rehearsing the antidote, gospel faith. Look at verse one. You gotta preach the gospel to yourself, beloved. This is what Paul does here. He reminds us of the simplicity and purity of the gospel by remembering how you received radical grace. Verse one, you foolish Galatians who has cast a spell on you and look how he talks about them. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What, what you can't see in English is something awesome happening in, in the Greek right here is that the word for cast a spell or your translation may have bewitch, it's associated with giving the evil eye. Now we use that phrase as someone just being mean. Oh, giving the evil eye. That phrase has its root back to this time period in history where they believed that people would cast spells and, and influence others through this evil eye, this evil glance, this look, and this evil influence, a metaphor for magic and spells. So Paul says, you've got this evil eye influence on you. And remember what was portrayed before your eyes. Christ crucified. Get Jesus before your eyes again. Put those eyes back on Christ who was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, this doesn't mean they literally saw it. They're in Galatia. They were not in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified there on that Roman cross. But Paul is saying, when I came to you and when I preached the gospel to you and I vividly made known to you about the Son of God stripped naked and nailed and cursed on that tree for your sins, you saw it by faith. 
It's like you were there. Same thing happens when you hear the gospel and you believe the gospel. Publicly portrayed like on a billboard, advertised, you see it in your heart and in your mind by faith. That Jesus of Nazareth, who is the son of God, a Jewish man, he was punched. He did have a crown of thorns and blood covering him, gasping for air while he was nailed to the cross, yelling, Father, why have you forsaken me? It really happened and he really yelled, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he really yelled, John, behold, your mother, care for Mary. And he really yelled, today you will be with me in paradise. And he really yelled, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he really gave up his last breath and yelled, it is finished. Get that in your eye, Paul says. And get off of yourself. Get off of your works. And look at Jesus who did this for you, who paid for your crimes against God. And see him not just as a corpse, but see him as no longer a corpse, as dead and buried and now alive in the heavens. Why I love the old hymn, because he lives. It's a great answer for everything in the Christian life. Why in the world come to church on Sunday when you could be sleeping in? Because he lives. Why turn from sin and choose to honor God? Because he lives. Why fight legalism so hard? Because he lives. Because Jesus is everything. And Paul wants us thinking about Jesus and now thinking about those early days of the Christian life. Think about your conversion, how it came about. Verse two, I only want to learn this from you. It's a great way of Paul saying, why don't you just teach me real quick? Paul's a tactician. He's setting up his case. He is pound for pound the best spiritual street fighter spiritual gift of street fighting you've ever seen. So you teach me, Galatians. Did you receive the spirit? Were you born again, converted by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? How were you born again? Did it happen by works? Did circumcision give you the Holy Spirit? Did baptism give you the Holy Spirit? Did reading the Bible in a year fill you with the Holy Spirit? Or was it just by believing what you heard? He's telling the Galatians, you have the Holy Spirit, right? You're already born again. Did that come about by you obeying the law, getting circumcised, or just by believing in the crucified and risen Lord? So if your effort did not save you, why elevate your effort now? When it wasn't the reason then, and it's not the reason now. Your doing of the law, your morality, your effort, it wasn't needed then to give you the Holy Spirit. And it's not needed now. And what's amazing about Paul talking about the Spirit in this way, as he says in Ephesians 1, the Spirit is given to us as the seal of our salvation. So he's saying, you were already given the seal. Your salvation, your righteousness was already sealed. Did you get that seal by getting circumcised? No. Just by believing. This is radical grace. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you receive the seal, Redeemer, of your salvation, you were born again. It's because of God. You only believed. No one in this room got circumcised after they prayed the prayer or had faith. No one had to go follow a kosher diet and stock up on Hebrew nationals. 
No one had to be forced to believe in predestination to make sure they received the Holy Spirit. You only believe the gospel of Jesus' death for your sins and his resurrection. And look, beloved, the program doesn't change. God doesn't change his standards at some point through the Christian life, which legalists say. Legalists say the gospel is just the beginning. The gospel is just the ABCs. You gotta move on. Listen, Galatians right now is gonna show us the gospel is not just the ABCs of Christianity. It is the A to Z. It's not just the entry point. It's the entire building. It's not just the diving board into Christianity. It's the water, it's the pool, it's everything. We never move on from the gospel. But legalism wants you to think the gospel is the building blocks. Once you, once you get it, you, you, okay, you're done. Now you gotta move on to bigger, more advanced elements in the Christian life. Now you really gotta get into apologetics. Now you really gotta, gotta get into systematic theology. Now you really gotta get into uh, homeschooling, speaking in tongues, tulip, whatever thing we want to add on. You gotta make sure you read the Bible in a year, every year, if you really wanna be righteous. Wrong. Listen, every adult in this room, you have not moved on from learning your ABCs. Because if I asked you what's after H, I, you, all of us, you would all do the song really quick. None of us have moved on from the ABCs. Secondly, you've learned how to integrate those ABCs into everything in your life, into your reading, writing, rhyming, syllables, learning another language. You have not moved on from the ABCs. You've learned how to integrate them into your entire life. You apply and integrate them more. In the same way, we don't move beyond the gospel. We don't move beyond Christ crucified and raised. We learn how to integrate it and apply it and live from it more and more. And to think otherwise is insanity. Verse three, are you so crazy? Are you so foolish and dull-witted? Tweedledee and Tweedledumming? After beginning, so now he says, so, so see what he's doing? Body jab, body jab. He says, I've already convinced you that we began by the Spirit. So now we're just gonna move on to this next one. After beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? So we begin by the Spirit, by faith. That's how we get the seal. And now we think we have to add to the seal by our doing, our works of the flesh, so if believing started this all, do you not think it's up to you to finish it? What he's asking, so now you think you need God less? See, and the legalists think that Christian maturity is needing Jesus less. But real Christian maturity is learning, I need Jesus more and more and more. You need to hear this. Legalism masquerades as trying to honor God but legalism is actually trying to get away from God. Legalism is not trying to get anyone closer to God. Legalists are trying to escape God, to get away from God. That's what Paul's saying here in verse three. We start by the spirit, but I'm gonna finish by the flesh, by my doing. I don't need God for this. This is, this is me. I don't need the spirit. I need my sweat. I need my effort. It's up to me. My effort's on me. Legalism is trying to get away from God. Jesus plus something is actually subtracting Jesus from the equation. Jesus plus circumcision, all you got left is circumcision. 
Jesus plus my doing, all that's left is your doing. Whatever we add to Jesus, we are left with whatever we are adding. Beloved, wanting to finish the race of the Christian life, our putting confidence, not in Christ, but in our doing, this is what it would be like. It would be like taking one of the best vocal tracks ever, Whitney Houston's And I Will Always Love You. I mean, you can hear it in your head. And uh, I just know. Oh, it's so good. It'd be like taking that track and then saying, you know what would make this better? If I added my voice on top of hers. Now it's, now it's better. It'd be like taking that game used basketball from the NBA Finals, Jordan's last championship, his signature on it, taking out your Sharpie and then writing your name right on top of his. Now it's finished. It'd be like walking to the museum, Museum of Fine Arts and seeing Van Gogh's Starry Night and taking out your paint, your brushes and adding your strokes on top of Van Gogh's going, there we go. Now it's done. You don't improve Whitney or Jordan or Van Gogh. You'd ruin it. And to think that your works on top of Christ's, you're doing the law, your righteousness, adding to Jesus, to think that it's improving it is ruining it. That's why Paul says in Galatians 2.21, then Christ died for nothing. The Christian life isn't, and Christian growth isn't like that first grade project your kid has to do, where your kid's in charge and then you do all the work. <laughs> That's not the Christian life. Jesus did all the work for you. So maybe it is kind of like the Christian life. You're the helpless first grader. I don't know how I'm going to build this 3D puzzle of the Pentagon. <laughs> and Jesus does it all willingly, joyfully. And I know this can get confusing because we do good works. We do pray and we read and we serve and we love and we go on mission trips and all those kinds of things. But listen, don't get the wires crossed. Don't, don't put the buggy before the horse. We don't do those things thinking we're making ourselves more righteous, that God's gonna love us more. God's gonna give us more of his favor and mercy. We do them because we're already declared righteous. We don't do anything so we can be accepted by God. Rather, we do them because we are living as God's adopted children. We've already been accepted and loved. But legalism says otherwise. You have to do this. And believe in Jesus, sure, but that's basic Christianity. If you don't get circumcised, what they're hearing in Galatia, if you don't homeschool, if you don't public school, if you don't speak in tongues, or if you have debt, you're lacking righteousness. Wrong! The gospel says, in Christ, I am totally righteous, now and forever, and nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus my Lord. What shall separate me from the love of Christ? Shall not reading the Bible in a year? No. So a lot of us are in trouble. Shall going on a mission trip every year keep me in the love of God and Christ Jesus my Lord? No. 
in Christ. And all these things, trials, tribulation, peril, nakedness, sword, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I am sure of this, Paul says, that he who started a good work in you will carry it. He will carry it onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul does not say, I am sure that circumcision will get the job done. I am sure that homeschooling, being a Calvinist, speaking in tongues, being baptized will get, no, I am sure that he who started it will complete it. And Paul's point is summed up here so well in verse five. Look, look at verse five. So then, see, you see what he says when he says, so then? He says, so then, since I proved I'm right, and you guys are wrong. Last question, does God give you the spirit, the seal, and work miracles among you? God's mighty actions in our lives. Is it by your doing? I would underline that phrase. You're doing the works of the law, or is it by underline believing what you heard? Did God do these miracles and give you the spirit of the seal because you are circumcised, which none of them were at this point, or because you believed? It's a gift of eternal life and justification, being declared not guilty and being declared righteous in Christ is because of our doing or because of our believing what we heard. Simple faith alone. No one in this room had been baptized when you first believed. That's not what initiated you receiving the Holy Spirit. So why in the world would any of us ever want to think that baptism is what saves now? You didn't have solid theology when you first believed. So why in the world would you think it makes us righteous now? You didn't really understand how this world came into existence when you first believed. So how could we try to find righteousness in not believing in evolution? Or You know, there's only one source of righteousness in the world, and he's in heaven. And at the right hand of the Father, Jesus Christ the Lord. Church, the gospel faith is the antidote to all the witchcraft of legalism, of home-brewed human righteousness, and there's another way we fight it too. Paul says, let's fire up the Wayback Machine and let's go way back and let's recall the ancient way that people were made righteous. They believed God. What Paul's gonna do here now, verse six, look at verse six. Just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. So, so Paul is now, remember, spiritual street fighter. He is sweeping the leg of the false teachers because they were appealing in Judaism to the law, to circumcision, to Moses. And Paul says, I can go back further than Moses. Why don't we talk about Abraham, predecessor of it all? Let's see how Abraham was made righteous. Let's look at the ancient way, just like Abraham, linking us together. We're just like Abraham. Whoa. How? Who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. It doesn't say he was circumcised and God declared him righteous. It wasn't around yet. He obeyed the law and was declared righteous. Nope. He had a few hundred more years till Moses shows up. There are so many things people appeal to today for righteousness. When you hear them, go back further. Did that square up with how Abraham was made righteous? Just like Abraham, who homeschooled like Vody Bauckham teaches and was declared righteous. Wrong. Abraham, just like Abraham, 
who believed in Tulip and was baptized, was declared righteous, spoke in tongues, went on a mission trip, read the Bible, whatever we like to tack on. It's none of those things. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Done. Nothing else to add, nothing else to do. He believed God. And listen, the Bible doesn't say he believed in God. You can believe God exists. No, he believed God. He trusted God. God promised him there in Genesis, takes him outside. It's amazing. And says, I want you to leave everything you know. I want you to go to land. I'm going to show you. Okay? Okay, God. And I want you to look at all the stars. You're going to have more descendants than all the stars. And to us, that's like five because we're in Houston and bad pollution. You go out into like West Texas mountains and you see it's incredible. Just imagine what Abraham would have seen. The sand on the seashore. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to make a nation out of you. And all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you, little old Abraham. Okay, God. He believed God. He trusted God. And that transaction, when the Bible says, and it was credited to him for righteousness. It's like God opened up Abraham's spiritual bank account. Got all of the bounce checks, all of his debts, and then wired infinite righteousness into his account. Accepted before God. And now his life was all predated to the cross of Christ. Our lives are post-dated to the cross of Christ. The Old Testament saints who believed their lives were predated, righteousness given to them in advance. And us, when we believe in the crucified and risen Christ, our lives are post-dated back to Calvary and we have money, righteousness forwarded to us into our accounts. Just like Abraham. He got an advance direct deposit. Us too. Direct deposit. Christ's righteousness right into our lives. And we cannot improve it. We're not lacking anything. We're not missing anything. We have all the funds we need. And you know, people say, man, that's just so dangerous. If you talk like that, then people are going to sin and people are going to do so. Of course. Of course that happens. You think Abraham, did Abraham sin after this? Yeah whole thing about lying about his wife being his sister. Oh, I mean, he only did that once. You think he learned? No, twice. (laughs) Still declared righteous. I mean, Moses, he was, I mean, the guy who, you know, carried the Ten Commandments. I mean, he was a great guy. Oh, yeah, that outburst at the end of his life really cost him. Didn't get to go and see the promised land. But God still kept his promises. And he received eternal life. I mean, Peter, I mean, he never sinned. He never questioned God. See, this is what grace is for, our failures. Paul goes even a step further here. Look at verse seven. So you know then, you know this, that those who have faith, not those who were circumcised, but those who do the works, these are Abraham's sons. Oh boy. Now he's really getting after these false teachers because they're appealing to Jewishness is what makes you great and accepted in God's eyes. Paul says, no, it doesn't. Being a Jew doesn't make you a child of Abraham. 
Faith makes you a child of Abraham. Mexicans that trust Jesus, like me, child of Abraham. Russians, Indonesians, Iraqis, and white suburban yoga moms, they trust in Jesus. They are children of Abraham. And he had many sons. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Verse eight, now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify, declare righteous, declare not guilty, the Gentiles by circumcision? No, by work, by faith. And proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham saying, that's an awesome phrase that Paul's using. The gospel is in Genesis. He proclaimed the gospel ahead of time to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Paul says the gospel's all the way back there. It's not some new thing. The gospel, the good news is not new news. It is ancient news. It was heard to Abraham when God says, all the nations will be blessed through you. What Paul is saying here is the great commission is all the way back in Genesis. That God was going to save Gentiles. That God is going to save people from every tribe, from every language, from every nation all the way from the land of Ur where people worshiped the moon, all the way to Israel where they struggled with worshiping cows and worshiping the law, and all the way to Tomball, Texas where we struggle with worshiping ourselves and our money and our children and our sports and our bodies and our pleasure. Jesus is in the business of saving sinners and declaring us righteous before him, declaring us not guilty before him, Because Jesus is for Jews, he's for Gentiles, Jesus is for all. As Paul says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, meaning, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness. Belief, righteousness. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Belief is all you need. There's nothing else to add to it. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, there's no plan for Jews and plan for Greeks. It's the same. Because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul's whole point in Galatians is, have you believed? That's all you need. The question is never, have you done enough? And that's where a lot of us really struggle with assurance and doubt and lack of joy. I haven't done enough. I don't deserve this. You're right. None of us do. None of us deserve being declared righteous. It's God's mercy. None of us have ever done enough. None of us will ever do enough. But there is one who has done enough and that he did it for you. Jesus lived the way that we were supposed to live. Jesus fulfilled all of the law. Jesus fulfilled all of God's righteous requirements. And then he died for your sins and he gives you all of his righteousness. And all of that is wired to your account, credited to you as righteousness. Verse nine, consequently, Paul's Paul's like, TKO, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham, who had faith. 
not those who do the works, those who have faith. Friends, faith is like garlic to the vampires of legalism. Faith in Christ alone, the message, that radical grace, it breaks any spell-binding work of legalism. And if you hear it, you feel it in your heart, you see it in others, you bring up faith in Christ. Faith in Christ alone. Guys, radical grace is so shocking. We've got to learn to walk in it, to live in it. Radical grace is more shocking than a Nigerian prince email scam too because it's true. Radical grace is so shocking because it's true. We don't just have some offshore bank account near Switzerland. We have an off-universe bank account sitting in the heavens, filling us with his righteousness by which we will always be declared not guilty by faith in Christ because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not there's condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus but haven't been circumcised or, or, or don't homeschool or, or, or don't classical school or, or that do public school or haven't spoken, none, none of that. Our righteousness in Christ is all ours, more radical, more awesome. Let's pray together. Holy Father, thank you. Thank you for the great mercy you've given us. And Lord, I'm guessing that's some kind of Amber Alert and whatever that situation is, we pray for this child. Bring them safely to their parents, to their guardians. And Lord, we thank you that you've made us your children. Not because of our doing, not because of any, any impressiveness we've done or anything we've achieved, that now we're in good standing with you, but it's just because of Christ. Christ and Christ alone. So Lord, help us to fight against the own legalistic tendencies of our hearts and some, what some of us just grew up in and we've been trained in since we've been little kids. Help us to shed that snake skin of legalism. I learned to walk dressed in the righteousness of Christ and whose name and whose name and whose blood and whose empty tomb we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.